0: So, part four of our reframed journey, and I can't believe we're on part four already. And time really does fly when we're having fun. And I've been really enjoying this journey, and I trust that you have been as well. And I will definitely admit that uh, not only have I been, um, what's the right word, impacted through the journey, but challenged as well. Challenged in a sense that so often we, or, or maybe it's just me, think that I have a pretty good perspective on things. You know Why they happen, when they happen, the timing of when they're about to happen, and then life happens. And suddenly what was once clear and bright and big enough becomes a little bit clouded and fuzzy and too small. I want to say the deterioration kicks in. And let me explain. When Yoli and I first started dating, she would uh, come over to my place and during our time of uh, spending some time together, I was bound to start complaining about my small TV. The reality is I I couldn't see it because it was too small. So I don't don't know, maybe out of love or frustration, Yoli eventually asked me, well, what's the cricket score? And I said, well, I can't read it because my TV is too small. Can I say that my TV wasn't too small, but my eyes had deteriorated over time. What was once clear and bright and big enough had now become clouded, fuzzy, and far too small. And this is exactly what this journey is about. It's about reframing those things that have become or might have always been a little bit fuzzy or clouded over. It's about transforming our perspective to see things the way that God sees them but it's not it's not just about putting on another pair of glasses or lenses that we can get down the road at spec savers or in my case buying a bigger tv but rather is choosing to find and seek and use the same spiritual lens that God uses to see situation and circumstance even though our situation and circumstance might not change how we perceive them can and that makes all the difference the way we see a situation determines how we will handle it. So often it's a lack of proper perspective that situation and circumstance overwhelm us. So often it's a lack of proper perspective that we miss opportunities because all we can see is the inconvenience and interruption. And that's the very thing I want us to chat about this morning. Reframing these things called interruptions and uh, by golly we were interrupted this morning eh? some dodgy remixes some marks that weren't working but uh, the Lord is with us let's face it interruptions are never convenient for anyone well that's certainly how it feels for me but I am convinced that as children of God if we do not reframe or gain the right perspective over interruption then we're simply going to miss out the opportunity that God has for us in our interruption. Good news, we don't have to wait until all the stars line up for us to be able to minister effectively. We don't even have to wait until our schedules open up. Because from experience, I can tell you, your schedule will never open up. And I've been guilty of this. Hey, listen, this week, uh -uh. but next week, the whole week, I'm free. You're not free next week. Your schedules will never open up. God has things for us in our interruptions, and we only need to look at how Jesus ministered to be able to confirm this. You know What I love about Jesus is it says he came down from heaven full of compassion, full of love, full of mercy, full of grace. It didn't say that he came down from heaven with an empty schedule and time to burn. He had an effective ministry because he saw interruption very differently to the way that we see it. So how did he minister then? What do I mean how he ministered in interruption? Well, we're going to get to that in a moment because first I want to chat about these things called interruptions. Our days are full of them, aren't they? Car accidents, crazy drivers interrupt our daily commute to work. Your boss reckons you slacken at work and so he interrupts your current project with another project. Your Zoom meetings get interrupted by the neighbor's dog. At least... At the end of a long day, we can go home and relax. And guess what? Your interruptions don't stop. Kids interrupt conversations. Dinner time is interrupted by a knock on the door by the neighbor who reckons now is the perfect opportunity to tell you the complex gate is not working. The dog interrupts your sleep with some midnight barking. And during your morning morning quiet time, it seems that you just can't get five minutes Of quiet time, because your kids interrupt you saying, Daddy, let's play. Honestly, maybe it's just me, but interruptions sometimes cause me to become a little bit miffed at life because my plans are interrupted and my plans are ruined. I have to miss my Sunday afternoon Formula One because two or three volunteers decided now's a good time to miss their evening duty interruptions change our priorities and they change the way that we think about something and someone. They change the very trajectory of our day, our week, and often our lives. In short, interruptions cause a break in our lives. They break our plans, they most certainly can break our moods, they break our priorities, and even they can break our relationships. But I believe that an interruption is a break that actually reveals our brokenness. It reveals our wrong perspective that we possibly have over them. It's a bit of a personal story, and um, we'll jump straight in the deep end. I, I didn't sign up for any of this. No, honestly, I didn't. See, when I got involved in ministry, and uh, when I say ministry, when I gave my life to Jesus and decided to serve Him, because that's the time that we all become ministers for Him. I forgot one crucial element to ministry. People. See, what is it more than anything else that causes distractions and interruptions? People. Who gets offended the most and causes fights and division? People. Who are the sources of the most trouble, turmoil, heartache, and looting? You guessed it. People. You see, when I thought about ministry, I was thinking more about how well I could communicate, how well I could explain God's work, how hard I could word, work, how, hard, uh, how well I could serve, how well I could make bricks, how well I could uh, do leaders' breakfasts. But what I had missed, or what had become rather fuzzy, was what ministry is actually all about. People. You see, the problem is, When we only focus on giving God glory through our gifting or how well we can do something, we actually miss out on one of the greatest ways that we can bring glory to God through our interruptions. See, it puts the focus completely back on him and takes it off of us. Think with me for a moment of what Jesus' ministry looked like. Just reading his word, we get exposed to to just how often he was pulled away, yanked away, interrupted from the task that God had given him by needy people. What I fail to see at times is that this was the very task that God had given him. Needy people. John 17 verse 4, this is Jesus speaking. He said, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Can I say that needy people were and still are the work? They are not an interruption from it. And this is why I believe that these things, interruptions, are so crucial for us to reframe. Because by not embracing them, then we actually miss out on bringing God glory through them. I didn't actually believe there was ever a convenient time for Jesus to minister. But I think his perspective was different. And that allowed him to minister effectively. So... A little bit of scripture I want us to look at this morning, and this first one, and the second one, actually blows me away, because to be honest, I don't think I would have handled this interruption the same way that Jesus did. So we all know the story of the feeding of the 5,000, it must have been a joyous occasion, and it probably was, Jesus, two fish, five loaves of bread, feed 5,000 men, so we know it's probably a lot more. But if we look at some of the preceding scripture, we actually see that Jesus was interrupted at probably one of his worst moments. Matthew 14, 60, 14 says this. But at a birthday party for Herod, Herodias' daughter performed a dance that greatly pleased him. So he promised with a vow to give her anything she wanted. At a mother's urging, the girl said, I want the head of John the Baptist on a tray. Then the king regretted what he had said, but because of the vow he had made in front of his guests, he issued the necessary orders. So John was beheaded in the prison, and his head was brought on a tray and given to the girl who took it to her mother. Later, John's disciples came for his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus what had happened. As soon as Jesus had heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds had heard where he was headed and followed him on foot from many towns Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. Then goes from that straight into him, feeding the 5,000. So imagine this. Think with me for a moment. One of your good mates, one of your close relatives, maybe a spouse, passes away. If you lived in that time, maybe gets beheaded. So you get onto a boat and you seek some alone time, some time of reflection, some time just to mourn. A huge crowd follows you, wanting your attention. And in your upset, in your sad state, in your rightful time of mourning, what do you feel? What do you feel? Well, I'll tell you what I would feel. And compassion probably wouldn't be one of those feelings. But Jesus didn't. Jesus didn't see the interruption. What Jesus saw was the opportunity. He saw sheep without a shepherd. He saw God's prized people. He knew that even in the most inconvenient time that his father was still working. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. God works. Even in the most trying interruption, Jesus knew that the father was working. I love that um, we serve an amazingly gracious God because if you carry on reading the scripture, Matthew 14, at the end of it, verses 22 to 23, we actually see that God allows Jesus some alone time. 14, I'll just read verse 23. It said, after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray, not fill while he was there alone. Jesus knew that the father knew what he needed and when he needed it, and so that enabled him to embrace these things called interruptions. Can I ask, do we truly know that God is at work in our lives, even in our interruption? What about this example? Another mind blower. Mark 521 to 36 says, Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake, where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My daughter is dying, he said, "Please come and lay your hands on her, heal her so she can live." Jesus went to him, Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for twelve years with constant bleeding. she had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of a terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out of him, so he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, Your daughter is dead. There is no use troubling the teacher now. Said another... Incredible piece of scripture. It just shows how Jesus managed to uh, to minister in interruption. I mean, we can actually see that Jesus was actually so interrupted that his interruptions were interrupted. I mean, he got up onto the crowd, with the, got up onto the shore with this huge crowd, and he's probably thinking, oh, great time to minister. Then he gets interrupted by the leader of the synagogue, "Hey, please come heal my daughter." Absolutely, let's go. On the way, he gets interrupted again. Lady bleeding for twelve years, interruption. But what I love about Jesus is he turns around and he begins to speak to this lady, even though he was rushing to go and heal the synagogue leader's daughter. You see, for Jesus, the interrupter was always more important than the interruption. He spent time speaking to the lady because she was more important than her interruption. While he's still speaking, we hear that the daughter dies, but that doesn't stop Jesus because he went and interrupted death and he raised the daughter back to life again. Interruptions do not deter God from his good work. Interruptions handled well actually magnify his love for us. Interruptions handled well amplify his message of forgiveness and wholeness that he desires for each and every one of us. Many, many, many other examples of Jesus ministering effectively in interruption. Actually, let's do one more. On his way to Jerusalem on mission, crowd following him once again, and he gets interrupted by a blind beggar shouting, hey, I don't know what he shouted, but he's, you know, he's screaming, hey, Jesus, I need your attention, please. All of his other disciples in the crowd tell him, hey, stop shouting. You're busy interrupting Jesus on mission. And Jesus says, no, actually, no. He has an opportunity, this is not an interruption, and an opportunity not just to heal one man, but to affect the lives of many people as well. Luke 18, 42 to 43 says this, and this is Jesus speaking to the blind beggar. He says, all right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus, praising God. And all who saw it praised God too. Our interruptions handled well could lead to not just one to see but many to see so how do we get better at this honestly because i don't think this is a quick change but i think there is a gradual change that can take place for us to change our perspective on interruptions so i'm going to look at three things and uh, number one remember that interruptions are often ministry opportunities I think if we all look closely, we'll find that there are ministry opportunities in the interruptions that we face on a daily basis. Interruptions are not actually obstacles to be avoided, but rather they're opportunities for service. This is key, though. Jesus' outer life of service grew from a place of his inner life with God, though. Jesus knew the difference between a godly interruption and a devil distraction. And this only came through his intimacy with his Father, being connected to the vine, as it says in John. Jesus was attentive to the people around him because he was attentive to his Father. And this allowed himself to be interrupted. What if we reframed our perspective of godly interruption and opened up our eyes to the possibilities of service that exist around us? I was uh, reading a, a story the other day um, about someone who actually saw the opportunity in his interruptions. And I, I was thinking, "Oh, I'd love to use this, but it's uh... actually I will. And I'm going to read it to you because I think it's absolutely brilliant. It's a story about a Scottish farmer. And his name was Fleming. And he viewed his interruptions as opportunities for service. Fleming was a poor Scottish farmer who was working the land when he, heard his cries, when he heard cries from a nearby bog. Running from the bog, now I don't know what bog is in Scotland, I'm sure it's a mud pit, so I know bog in South Africa has a slightly different meaning, but it's a mud pit. Running to the bog, he found a boy sinking down into the muck with no possible way to get out. Mr. Fleming threw the boy a rope and saved his life as he was drowning. Farmer Fleming gave the boy a new set of clothing and sent him on his way without kidding his name. A few days later, a fancy carriage pulled up to Fleming's farm. A nobleman got out and thanked Fleming for saving his son's life. The nobleman wanted to pay Fleming for his gesture of kindness, but the farmer would not take any money. Fleming's son then came running to the door as his father was speaking to the nobleman. Is this your son? asked the nobleman. Fleming replied, yes. The nobleman said, well, why don't you let me take your son and educate him? I have a feeling that this boy could turn out to be something great if he's anything like his father. Fleming entrusted his son to the care of the nobleman, and some years later, his son, Alexander Fleming, graduated from St. Mary's Hospital Medical School in London, England. Alexander Fleming discovered penicillin. But the story doesn't end there. The nobleman's son got pneumonia and became quite ill. Dr. Fleming's penicillin Saved the nobleman's son's life. By the way, the name of the nobleman was Lord Randolph Churchill. And his son? Sir Winston Churchill. Incredible, eh? Galatians 6 verse 10. It says, Therefore, whenever we have an opportunity, we should do good to everyone. You never know when they pray that you pray for a child that so rudely interrupts your well deserved bite of your psalm. Because you are the only one to care enough to take the opportunity, empowers that child to become one of the greatest leaders and change many, many lives. As children of God, I can guarantee you that he is going to send people onto your pathway that are going to seemingly interrupt and inconvenience your life. But can I say that these are often ministry opportunities, not just an interruption. Second one is make the most of them. Make the most of interruptions. Colossians 4, 2-6 says, Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan. I'm going to stop there. Because so often, as uh, children of God who are on fire for him, what we first prayer, Hey, Father, send me people that I can minister to. Send me people. And then he does. Our second prayer, Father, why have you sent so many interruptions into my life? Those are often ministry opportunities. Pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities. That is why I am here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. I am... I remember when this looting started, and to be honest, I was quite miffed, because, I mean, it interrupted our lives. We couldn't go to work, the kids couldn't go to school, it's like a bad combination, because that means you were them the whole day. I mean, there's a fear of damage of property if you're a business owner, and food resources actually became quite alarmingly scarce rather rapidly. I mean, I had some friends standing in the queue for like eight hours to get eggs, But despite it all, it did actually open up a few opportunities for us to serve God's people. It was just a matter of us deciding, do we remain in the state of miffedness? Or do we choose to to press on and make the most of these interruptions? God will often give us an opportunity to serve in an interruption. The question is, are we prepared to take them? Number three. Remember that God is sovereign. Remember that He is sovereign. Proverbs 19:21 says, You can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. I love that. You can make as many plans as you want, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. Should we continue making plans? Absolutely. But just know that the Lord's purpose will prevail. We can plan our day, we can plan our week, but the Lord's purpose will prevail in the end. He's sovereign over our days and over our plans. And believe it or not, he's sovereign over our interruptions as well. When an interruption comes, don't be surprised, but remember that God is sovereignly working out in your interruption. Remember, after Yoli and I got uh, married, we had our five-year plan. We were going to travel. We were going to go and do some odds-and-end work overseas or wherever it was. And uh, we remember standing in the hall the one night and I mean, we had a five-year plan, and Zach Lombard was still here, and he went, uh, some of you have your five-year plan. I was like, oh, goodness, Lord. But I believe that he interrupted our plans there because he had better plans. See, so often we can have our plans, but can I say that sometimes the Lord will interrupt our plans because those are more beneficial to bring glory to him? Whoops. The beauty is that we can take absolute comfort in the fact that knowing he will give us the grace to handle an interruption. 2 Corinthians 9, eight says, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I love how many times Paul says all. I mean, that means God will give you the grace to handle everything, including the things that you didn't plan for. In one of his letters, C.S. Lewis, I've been reading a little bit up about him, he wrote this, he says, The great thing, if one can, is to stop regarding all the unpleasant things as interruptions of one's own or real life. The truth is, of course, that what one calls the interruptions are precisely one's real life. The life God is sending you day by day. What one calls one's real life is actually just the phantom of their imagination. In other words, we are actually called to embrace interruptions. They are the very ministry into which we have been called. See the people in front of us. See the people in front of you as a ministry opportunity, as your ministry, not just an interruption. You know, if we didn't include all the interruptions in Jesus' ministry, what would be left? Not much. And just to land, we've got four minutes left. It says, you know that Jesus wasn't only probably the most interrupted man alive, but he was also the greatest interrupter. God's word is clear when it says that we were dead in sin, we were enemies of God, we were alienated from him, we were deserving of wrath, and we were unable to save ourselves. You see what happens is god needed to break into our lives in order to save us and he did so through jesus christ remember that uh that neighbor i spoke about earlier that rudely interrupted our dinner with a knock on the door can i say that jesus did that as well and he still does it because he says in Revelation 320 it says here i stand and knock here I stand and knock, and it says, whoever lets me in, I'll come and down. So you're probably sitting down, and you're just about to have some dinner, but maybe Jesus is knocking at your door. The question is, are we prepared, if you haven't already done so, are we prepared to be interrupted by Jesus? Are we prepared to open up that door and say, come inside and let us down together? Because he's there, and he's knocking, and he's looking to interrupt your life if you haven't. For those that have opened the door, we too now have a wonderful opportunity to do the same for others. By seeing interruptions as opportunities to point them to Jesus. Is it always convenient? Nope. Not at all, actually. But you know that Jesus' ministry and Paul's ministry was never convenient either. But they weren't called to convenience. They were called to save God's people. They were called to do his work. They were called to bring much glory to the Father. I honestly pray this morning, friends, I know this is a a very broad topic, but I believe that so often we miss ministry opportunities because all we see is inconvenience and the interruption. I really do pray that God begins to work on our hearts so that we are able to change our perspective of these things called interruptions and allow us to see the things that exist, the opportunity that exists in interruptions. I pray that he opens up our eyes for us to see that people are our ministry and they're not just interruptions from it. Jesus took the time. He had enough compassion and love and care to stop He saw that the interrupter was so often more important than just the interruption that we see. I really pray that something of this message was fall in your hearts this morning and we are able to minister so much more effectively through the opportunities He gives us. Amen? Amen? Won't you stand with me, please? you close your eyes father we do uh, thank you once again for your word we thank you that even through a simple message lord that you are working father lord i um you know, just on a personal thing father i repent for all those times that uh, i have blocked um uh, opportunity father that that i've possibly seen um, my schedule that is overwhelming and has and i've said oh next week next week i'll get to you Thank you, Lord, that that you send people on our path that you want us to minister to, Father. Thank you that you've given us this opportunity. Thank you that we can change lives, Father, when we point people to you. And Lord, I pray that you help us, that you help us see these things called interruptions as opportunities to be able to bring you much glory. Thank you, Lord, that we know that you give us the grace to handle it all. And Father, we do want to say thank you for Jesus. The very one who came and put us back in right standing with the Father. The very one who came and interrupted our lives so that we could be saved. Thank you for his example. that We see that his ministry was never convenient. But Father, you enabled him to minister effectively. And bring you much glory, Lord. I pray, will you strengthen our hands to see your people and not just the interruption they might bring into our lives and our plans. We worship you, Father. Maybe you're standing here this morning and uh, maybe at home even. And uh, you can hear Jesus knocking on your door. Can I say that this would be the most important decision that you could ever make. And I urge you this morning, if you haven't already done so, to open that door. He's saying, I want to come inside and I want to sit down and I want to dine with you and I want to be your friend. Let me tell you, in interruption, it is great to have Jesus by your side. And he wants to come and invest in your life And he wants to minister with you. So if there's anyone like that, that can hear, that can feel Jesus knocking at the door, and you want to make the decision to open up that door this morning, then I I really do pray that you will come to the front. I'd love to pray with you. If you're online, maybe just type a, a me, and we can grab some details from you. We'd love to spend some time with you. But yeah, we do thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your message. Let it work in our hearts, I pray. In Jesus' name, God's people say, God's people say.